I started to exercise and that was very good for my mood because because my mood was was down very very down oh yeah uh the exercise it, it was i started with 10 minutes i just invented my own exercise just to move just to not laying on the couch but to do something and after that 10 minutes i thought well i'm feeling a little bit better uh, my body but also my mind This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson, helping you to live an easier, healthier and happier life. G'day, thanks for joining us again. I say us, I've got a guest today who's going to be sharing her improvements with her rheumatoid arthritis by following the Patterson program over the far over the past almost four years. And as I like to do, I know nothing about our guest today. I want to sit through and listen to her tell her story for the first time so that I can share with you as you listen or watch this her revelations, her discoveries, her improvement, and ask questions. And so together we can all learn from her. Her name is Anna. She's from the Netherlands, a beautiful part of the world. And she joins me at 7.30 a.m. for us to do this recording. And I'm very grateful for the early start, Anna. Thanks so much. Thank you. (laughs) Now, tell us what we're in for. Give us the before and after so that we know you know, the extent of your, you know, uh, improvements here? Okay, I um, I was seriously, I couldn't move, I couldn't walk, I couldn't um, raise my hands, I couldn't work, and that, uh, it lasted uh, a few years. Then I, um, I started to, I didn't take medicines. I didn't want to do it. I I only took uh, prednisone for one month. Then I stopped and I didn't take anything. And now I can move <laughs> and walk. And uh, it's it's not completely gone, but it's gone for ninety percent. So a, I, I mm. have life now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing and. Over what time period um, did you witness these changes? Has it been the entire four years since you started the program? Was it really slow and steady? Or was there a period of rapid improvement and then more of a maintenance? There was no rapid improvement. Uh, it's, it's It was just very, 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 very slowly. Mm. I thought, well, something happening. And then I look back half a year and I thought, well, I can do something more. So that, that was the process. Very interesting. Um, it tends to be the way, doesn't it? It tends to be an improvement process that's, that's very subtle, unless we're fasting, in which case we can get really quick results with inflammation reduction. But if we're talking about living in a way that's sustainable as a lifestyle in in meeting our calories each day eating a diet that is nutritionally complete then yes healing is is very slow in the netherlands one of your 
co-patriots, if that's the word, right word, uh, someone else from the Netherlands, Hannah, who uh, has been on our podcast a few times, going back a few years now. Yes, she had a very, very slow improvement, very similar to yourself and so many others, including me. And she got down to 2.5 milligram of methotrexate after tapering year after year after year. And then she stayed on 2.5 milligram of methotrexate for another 12 months before she then came off that entirely. So, you know, this isn't a race. It is just allowing the time that it takes for this process to occur. So now, before we get into the darker days, uh, what sort of lifestyle do you lead? Uh, you mean work or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm an artist and I, uh, I go to, I went to markets because there are no markets now to sell my uh, postcards. And I teach uh, children to paint and to draw. Um, well, that's basically it. Oh, lovely. Yeah. That, that's very interesting to me because our children, especially the eldest, is learning to draw and she's very passionate about it. So right. maybe offline we can uh, we can talk about this because, you know, I, I love the fact that you have that creative ability and, and teach it. That's really cool because my daughter's really interested in that. Um, and so let's now rewind a few years to when things were awful. Your job would have been impacted a lot because you are an artist. So you're using your hands and you may be yeah. sitting or standing for long periods of time, which wouldn't be comfortable. Talk us through how things were at that point. Well, it, it started from one day to another it started i just i had a thick hand and and then it, that went away and um it built up very slowly uh, after that then it was a feet then it was my knee so i could could work around it a little bit so i can use this hand so i will use the other hand and but after a year i i couldn't work around it anymore it was everywhere and, and walking started to, to be difficult. Everything started to be difficult. So after one half year or two years, I stopped working completely. I, I just, I was just laying on the couch. And the the, the one project uh, I had was to get to the grocery store and get my groceries, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And do yeah. you live? Do you do you live with anyone who could have helped you with this? Um, no, no. My partner had uh, had died two years before it all started, so I was alone. And I had some. I have some friends, but I'm very independent, so I want to do a lot of things alone. Mm. But there were um, a group of friends who helped me with go to the market. So they drove me in a car and they helped me to unpack things. Yeah, I'm very grateful for that. Um, they helped me uh, in the beginning. They helped me with giving uh, lessons, with teaching. So they were all, all, uh, also in the class, and they uh, helped me with the children. But yeah, after a while, it it was too much for me. Mm. Okay, and so what were your doctors saying? I had a lot of doctors, but I uh, first I went to uh, rheum rheumatologists. 
And uh, well, uh, she said, uh, your numbers are very high. I forgot the numbers, but they were uh, the highest possible. And you can use this and you can use this, you can use this. I, I just didn't want to use anything. So I, um, I tried it as long as I could until the prednisone, I, I thought I, I will try it for one month because I want to live. And that one month was, was uh, very good. I could move. I thought, well, this is alive. Um, but after a month, yeah, I, I didn't want to do it anymore because I, I know from the, from you that it's not good for the stomach, for the for the belly. But I stopped. But after the prednisone, my hands were a little bit better. I could move them a little bit better, and that's that stayed that way. So that was good. You know, sometimes I hear this from clients, patients, or whatever you want to call it, people who are part of our community, and what they say is that their rheumatologist says, well, let's try and knock this out. So in inverted commas, uh, by giving you some steroids for a month and see if that can, you know, sort of, yeah, knock it out or take care of it and and just sort of suppress the inflammation uh, for a while. And I'm always skeptical of this approach because you know, it doesn't do anything towards the underlying cause. And in fact, what it does do is have the counterproductive impact on the gut that you had just highlighted or you mentioned. And so uh, it's interesting for me to see that you're an example where it did actually have a positive impact on inflammation. And one of the reasons for that, as we think out loud, is that inflammation itself is one of the causes of leaky gut. So inflammatory cytokines at the epithelium trigger more intestinal permeability. So if we have a lot of inflammation in our joints, we have a coexisting inflammation at the gut lining and more intestinal permeability. And so in your instance here, my interpretation of this is that the prednisone has suppressed the inflammation, which has reduced leaky gut more than the dosage created by Mm. taking the tablet. Mm. And the net result was less inflammation. And that's great. It doesn't always go like that. So that was really good. And it gave you, sounds like a little bit of a uh, a momentum uh, at that moment. Yeah, it was a a relief. But when I stopped the prednisone, uh, almost everything came back except my hands. Ah, right. So it slowly. Yes, yes, I see. Well, uh, that leads us then into what did you do next? I went on with uh, with the diet. It, it was hard for me the diet because I didn't like it in the beginning. I just when I went uh, eating, I thought, well, I, I'm going to watch a movie so I don't taste it. <laughs> and then I'll you know off. one thing one thing that is so great about your culture and as i i said to you in the sort of 10 seconds before we hit record i did in my 20s uh, have a relationship with a girl from the netherlands and what i learned from that relationship and also through meeting her family when i was in the netherlands and um getting to know 
some other folks and her friends and so forth, that the Dutch have a way of being very honest, just straight up, no, no beat around the bush. This is the truth and I'm going to tell it to you. And I love it. It's so refreshing. And, uh, and I'm enjoying that about this conversation. So thank you. So you used to eat the healthy foods by watching TV so you distract yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. And I, I couldn't see the sweet potatoes anymore. And oh my God. But <laughs> but after a year, I I discovered some herbs, some things that made it more uh more delicious for me. And I could eat some more. I could eat a tahin, tahini, tahini. Tahini. Mm-hmm. So uh, that tastes very that tastes very good for me. Uh, so that it was a little bit easier after a while to eat it. So now I'm not watching a movie when I'm eating. <laughs> it's it's better. Now, now you can just watch a TV show, which is shorter. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, this is the flu. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. I um I started to um exercise. And that was very good for my mood because because my mood was was down very very down. Oh yeah. Uh, the exercise it, it was I started with ten minutes. I just invented my own exercise just to move, just to not laying on the couch, but to do something. And after that ten minutes, I thought, well, I'm feeling a little bit better, uh, my body, but also my mind. So I um, I. I went to a physiotherapist and I asked for more um, exercises that I could do. She could see my body, what I could, what I couldn't. And then she gave me exercises uh, with a ball. So I have, I have a ball here in my house. Uh, what, do you want to see it? No. no. Okay. So I exercised on the ball. That was half an hour a day to strengthen my... To strengthen my um, uh, legs and uh, rug, um, back, lower back, 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 yep. and my hands, my shoulders. That was very good for me to do that every day. And I went to the gym. Now I can't go there anymore, but that's another story. But I went to the gym for two years, uh, almost every day, and then I did exercise with a ball. I did uh, cycling. About the cycling, I started too um, quick, too much. I did too much. Then my knee went uh, thicker than it was. So I had to stop cycling for half a year and then I could build it up again. But that, Interesting. That was, that was not good. <laughs> no, but this is the process. This is the yeah. discovery. This is why yeah. all of us have our own uh, detective hats on and there is no one single formula because each of us have different challenges. And so what we do is we have, you know, we have a map, right? We have the program which gives us a map from A to B. And this provides us with a lot of detail. But within that map, sometimes we have to deviate north, south. Sometimes we even head back in the same direction for six months, you know, like you've just described, before we can then get back on track. and. No one can teach that. No one can uh, predict or plan and show you that that can happen. And so at that point, you are the master of 
the 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 plan and you need to observe how to uh adapt and 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 yep. change the approach and that's what you've done which is awesome and and it just goes to show that even though cycling typically is good for the knees and it was a as a good recovery strategy for my left knee and i used cycling a lot actually shortly after my wedding and i was cycling uh, frequently as part of you know my strength building and so forth it doesn't necessarily therefore you know be completely problem free and it might stir up some people's like it has stirred up did stir up your knee yes, so i'm yes. curious i'm curious then so given that strengthening and stretching are two things that are really good for the knee how did you achieve that using your fitball okay uh this with the ball with the fitball so yeah. i strengthened my upper legs for half a year a year and then after that i could slowly started to cycle again yeah good okay That's now i'm understanding why this worked your quad muscles and your glute muscles your buttocks were too weak meaning that as you were cycling the bike too much pressure was being loaded into the knee joint when you built up your knees through a more steady and short range of motion then as the muscles got bigger they take more load off the joint itself and then the joint was able to handle the cycling because your muscles were doing more of the work as opposed to loading the knee that's my interpretation of that yeah i think so and i also started too quick to I, I did too i did half an hour i started with half an hour and then oh, it was yeah. too much that was yeah. i wanted to get it warm because you I heard, yeah, warm, and then it goes into the little uh, places of your body, and that's okay. So it was too much for me. But that's mm -hmm. my learning. That was my learning process, like you told uh, before. Listen to my own body. Just do what my body, what feels good for my body. That's that's part of the learning process. Mm. I want to ask a question around the fitball because your situation is going to be exactly the same as someone else listening right now who's really, really interested because their knees hurt and it hurts to cycle and they don't know what to do. And you've just said that you circumvented this issue with the fitball. So I want to ask you, with the fitball, did you do... Uh, at the, at first, when you were really, really struggling, was it small range of motion, just sort of bouncing on the ball and using your thighs to move you up and down with short range of motion? Mm, I did that, but I uh, it was too boring for me. I wanted <laughs> <laughs> right. You so could I'm watch a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I was. But you so probably bored. saw them all by that point. <laughs> yeah, but I, I very quickly, I, I started with um, just laying on my back on the ball, and then, um, yeah. How do you tell? Mm -hmm. I, I can draw it, the ball, and then. Okay, you lie on your back, and then were you doing sit-ups? 
Yes. Um, something like Teacher. this. This. Yes. Oh, and then were you lowering your bottom and raising yep. it up again? Up and down. Yes. Okay. So that is yes. a that is a a glute exercise, a a buttocks exercise. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's called a bridge. So you're doing yep. glute bridges. Yeah. Okay. So you were doing that. Okay. Good. Interesting. So for if you're not seeing some of the artistic work from Anna here, because you're listening to this, she just drew. Uh, basically, uh, creating a, uh, a bridge between the 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 uh, uh, so your your calf muscles are vertical, and then there's a right angle at the knees, and your shoulders are on top of the football. Then what you do is you lower down your waist at the buttocks, and then you just squeeze your bottom and bring your your core back up to horizontal. This is a this is an exercise for building the buttocks. That's what that does. So I'm interest, interested to learn that, that. That that was one of the main ones. What else did you do on the ball? The same uh, posture, but then uh, I moved from here to here. Left right. Okay, left to right. Left to right. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, laying on my belly on the ball and then mm -hmm. coming up for my okay. back. Yeah. And then uh, doing this for the muscles here mm -hmm. that that's are the main four things mm -hmm. i'm doing okay and yeah. i also learned other things but I, I i only doing i'm only doing these four things now you're right they were the most the most important yeah. so really yeah. and, and and stretching so i'm laying on my back on the thing and i stretch completely my shoulders very slowly and I think I think it helped me to uh, heal my shoulders because I I can do everything now. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. I, I couldn't do anything with my shoulders. I, I I just I couldn't raise my hands for two years, and now it's and and that it was because of the stretching on the ball. Uh, after half a year, a year, there was. Um, more space and more space every day more space mm. yeah. yeah i love it so i do that same exercise most days and what we're talking about again if you're not watching is we're basically uh, uh it, it's a chest opener it's just getting the shoulders right back squeezing the shoulder blades behind you with your arms out to the side and uh i get the the head back and everything it's the antidote to daily living uh, daily daily living is when we <laughs> lean forward to type the computer to drive our car to hold a baby to eat our food to pretty much you know do most things because uh, our body tends to move towards where the eyes are going and so we must open our chest up and stretch all those pectoral muscles which get very tight and uh, those uh the, the front deltoids, the front of the the front of the shoulders, open that all up, and so that that's tremendous. That's tremendous. So it sounds like the physical side of things was really important for you. It would it be fair to say that as an artist, that you don't typically get a lot of movement throughout the day that's cardiovascular or weight bearing. Mm, yeah, that's true. I I. Mm. Uh... But I cycle a lot. I walk a lot. 
before I got ill, I, I walked a lot, I cycled a lot, I uh, I did a lot of movement, and I worked in the garden. Uh, I had a garden, okay. so I had okay. a lot of um, how do you call it? Uh, movement, activity, movement. Activity. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. So, okay. So you were already you were already active, but you introduced some very targeted, specific physiotherapy. Yeah, and you changed your diet dramatically, and you got through the monotony of the diet by, you know, distracting yourself. How sort of significant was the progress with time? I mean, it must have been—you must have been happy enough with the results to stick with this. Yes, yes, but uh, as I told before, it told you before, it, it was—it went so slowly. That sometimes I thought doesn't work, and uh, because my mood was uh, still very low, uh, going down, I started to uh, meditate. I uh, I read a book from uh, Joe Dispenza. I started to meditate because I I couldn't I couldn't live anymore with myself like how it was. So I thought, well, when I'm going to meditate, I my mood is going up, and then from there, it's maybe it's more easy to heal. So I started meditating in um, 2018 in July, and I did it uh, three times a day. I I was so motivated. I had a trick. This trick, when I did a meditation, I could. Uh, <laughs> Mark it off. Yeah, cross it off. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was motivating Mm -hmm. me. And now I have a lot of those papers. Yes. Yep. So you Um, had basically you got a dopamine, (laughs) a dopamine hit, a happy hormone hit every time you got to check off that you had meditated uh, that time that day. And now you've got like pages and pages of check boxes where you've meditated. And so that you're you're obviously really um, found that that was beneficial for you. Yes, it was very beneficial. Um, when I meditated, the pain didn't go away after it wasn't gone after the meditation, but um, I had more uh, distance to it. I thought, well, there's still pain, but it's going over. It's going over. It's it's temporarily, temporarily. And before the meditations, I didn't think it was temporarily. I, I thought this is my life. But with the meditations, I uh, uh, confidence. There came some confidence. Oh, it's going away. It's going away. And I, well, I, I'm still doing it every day. And uh, my meditation, I defend my own meditation now. Uh, I, I'm talking to my cells, and I've deeply contact with my cells. And I, well, I tell them they are they're healthy. And that's uh, basically my meditation, and uh, I still do it every day for one one time a day uh, for half an hour. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have the feeling they listen to me because every week I'm I'm improving. Still, I'm still improving, and I think it feels like a miracle. So, well, I can talk to myself, and they listen, and and my body is doing it again. It's it feels like a miracle. But perhaps it's not a miracle, but it makes me very happy. Yeah, I think 
the word miracle has connotations of not founded on science. Mm -hmm. And yet in the discussions that we've had recently, uh, the summit presentation by Dr. Nisha Manik, and also the podcast interview that she did around about the same time where she gave a case study of someone within, with ankylosing spondylitis. In, those, in that sort of two-part sort of presentation series that she did, you know, she put a lot of science around the ability of the brain with focused intention to manifest things in life and that we are pretty much, you know, just vibrating energy at a nanoscopic level. And with focused intention, we can create outcomes by using our mind. And, and she spoke of the work of uh, uh, the uh, scientist uh, Tiller and, uh, and his work and the ability of using focused intention to be able to change the pH of water. And this has been published in the medical literature. And so, you know, she gave the example of how on a, on a work desk, you know, if you've got items scattered all over the desk, you can order those items by putting a little bit of energy by moving your hand over the items and putting them into a pile to create order. In the same way, your thoughts can be focused and, and brought into a singular futuristic outcome that, that can, through that continual focused intention, help to influence that outcome. So, Look, I fully believe on what you're saying and and I think it's powerful and I recommend it. And meditation is something that uh, not just yourself, but a lot of us use um, to smaller or mostly and sometimes some people to a larger extent. But I find I get that separation from every problem in life just after five minutes of meditation. And my meditation's pretty 101. I just sit and try and breathe and relax my body and calm my mind. And <laughs> often after three or four minutes, I, 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 feel like, I feel like I'm good. I feel like that's enough. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go. But that, of course, is just my conscious brain trying to knock on the door again, say, don't forget about me. Uh, so I think that's sensational. So we've been reminded about the importance to meditate. And you've told us that this has been instrumental for you to continually feel better. You've stuck with the food despite its you know, initial challenges with your taste buds in the transitional period. I'll ask you more about food in a minute. And then the exercise, whilst you were exercising initially, you, you went from just sort of casual recreational exercise into targeted physiotherapy. And this made a big difference as well to, to regain leg strength, muscle strength in the glute muscles to then transition back to the bike again. Let's talk more about your diet. How much diversity do you now have in your diet? I'm eating uh, um, vegetables mostly. I'm eating, uh, well, the, the, the grains, the grains without gluten. I'm eating uh, tahine, uh, nuts, uh, roasted nuts. I'm eating everything warm because an Ayurvedic um, person told me to. it's for, good for me to eat everything warm. So I, I cook or uh, I cook everything 
sometimes I, I um, with a little, little bit of oil, I can handle that now. And then I, um, well, with, with herbs, I stir it in the, in the pan and, well, that tastes good. I eat um, coconut uh, milk to my uh, vegetables. I eat uh, fruits, but warm. I make them warm. Uh, nuts, uh, um, uh, seeds. seeds. Yeah. Seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And what about what about root vegetables? You said you got sick of sweet potatoes, but do you eat pumpkins or or regular potatoes? Uh, so yeah, it's regular potatoes, uh, pumpkins, no tomatoes. So no, okay. uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and what's for uh, breakfast? A ha- a half. Uh, um, how do you call it? Oats. 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 Yeah. Oats with okay. um, a det- det- dettles. Dates, dates, dates. Okay, dates, so uh, like dr- there are dried fruit with a, p- yes. a pit in them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And ap- apricots. Apricots. Okay, great. More dried yeah. fruit. And do you eat, I, I, eat them? Yes, a little bit. I put them in water uh, the night before. Mm, oh, and yeah. uh, okay. also the oats. I put it in water the night before for the uh, digestion. Yeah. And then some. I. I. Um, some nuts. And that's what I eat, and and uh, part of a fruit, uh, apple or um, pear, pear, uh, something like that. So that's yeah. my breakfast. Mm. Well, with the nuts added to that, it sounds like that would probably get you through to lunchtime. You might not need to snack. No, I, no, I, yeah. I, um, I eat after the after the breakfast. I uh, drink. Little, little, little bit of coffee. So I make coffee. I throw uh, almost everything out. There's a little bit. And then <laughs> some oat milk. And then I have coffee. And then some, uh, yeah, that's, it's just for the feeling and the smell. Yeah, 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 yeah. You get the yeah. satisfaction and you feel like you're you're not being restricted in what you love. But you're saying that it's 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 only a little bit of coffee and, uh, and the rest of it to be, uh, you said, Coconut milk, or was it what uh, oat milk? Uh, oat milk, sorry. Oat, yeah, oat milk. great. Yeah. Okay, so what I'm picking up because all the nuances of each of us have a, a little bit different here and there, and there's the, these aren't guidelines. What I'm trying to illustrate here and to find out from you is that you've evolved a long way from the early stages of the pseudo grains, sweet potatoes, greens, and so on. And it just goes to show that whilst you were at that point highly inflamed eating simple foods, now you are, you know, as you put it, almost gone to no inflammation, but you have a much more diverse range of foods, including some that are higher in fat, which uh, we know uh, has some uh, challenges if we're highly inflamed and we can only get there if we're really well advance with our gut healing and cellular membrane healing. So this is sensational. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really good. And yeah. Uh, yeah, what do you, what do your friends and family say about your transformation? Mm, well, yeah, my sister is very happy for me because she, she, she had to uh, talk to me every day when I was crying and I didn't want to live anymore. And now she, uh, when we see each other, I'm happy and we can walk. And 
so she's very happy for me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, my parents, they were uh, both, they didn't know what where they were. So they didn't know that I was ill. <laughs> they know, but that was okay. Uh, but the rest of the family is happy for me and my friends. Yes. yes. Mm. Have you been back to the doctor again and asked the rheumatologist or have you have you really put that on the back burner because you feel good and you've just continually improved slowly? No. Yeah, I've, I one time I, I uh, sent an email to my uh, uh, specialist and I told her I did this, I did this. I told her of the, the program, the Pedersen program and uh, I didn't hear her from her, but I think she she read it and she 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 is seeing that I'm not coming back. Mm. I, I've, for two years, I was I, I haven't been to the hospital. Mm. Yeah, so, it's, but she was open for it when I went there and I I told her I'm doing this. I'm eating uh, curcumin and and I'm doing that and I'm doing that. She was open for it. She wrote it down. There tends to be quite a advanced level of knowledge in the Netherlands within the rheumatology community of the relationship between diet and rheumatoid arthritis. There is currently a study going on in your country uh, looking into the relationship between a plant-based diet and rheumatoid arthritis. There is at least one rheumatologist that many of our community go to in the Netherlands because he is uh, a supporter of what we do and understands the science. And so it's a good country in terms of the medical knowledge of the uh, you know natural and pharmaceutical balance. So uh, that, that that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. Now, when, when I first um, got to the specialist, rheumatologist, she told me, well, diet has no uh, no influence on, uh, on your illness. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it myself. But after two years, she, she had read things, I think, and she told me, yes, diet has uh, influence on it. So she mm. uh, had studied. It happened in two years. You know, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to make to 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 try and bridge too big of a gap. But um, you know, I've always pictured the way that the specialists are going to learn this is through patients. Yeah. And and my my approach has not been to focus on doing a clinical trial on our program. Not that that isn't valuable and not that that isn't something I want to do. It's that it, my belief is that if every second patient walks into their doctor and says, I'm doing this program and I feel twice as good as what I do last time I saw you, that eventually that face-to-face contact with these messengers of the truth will eventually make them converts and have to read and research the existing science that's already there, right? Another publication about what we're doing just goes on top of the pile of what's already there. Like if there was no more studies ever, there's sufficient concrete evidence to go down the path that you've gone down, right? So what we need is for the patients to be walking in 
and telling their physician, physician, this is what works. And eventually one after the other after the other, they're going to say, you know what? I'm the one that's in the dark here. I'm looking silly because my patients know more about their gut and about how to heal this disease than I do. And mm-hmm. that I can tell you is going to be how we transition the entire RA community because microbiome studies have been coming out now for seven, eight years. Rheumatologists are aware of the studies, but the studies all then go on to say, and therefore we should investigate drugs that can manipulate the microbiome. And it's like face plant. Come on, you're kidding me. Why doesn't the conclusion say, and therefore this is how you should eat to influence the gut. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, what I'm insinuating is perhaps there is a little bit of a steady flow of patients, just like you, coming into this rheumatologist's clinic and telling her, hey, I'm feeling better. This is what I did. And she's starting to think, uh-oh, I better look into this because I don't want to be the only one in my own clinic who doesn't know how to reverse inflammation yeah. <laughs> naturally. <laughs> Yeah, I know it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But uh, as Dr. Greger says, you know, being a doctor is sometimes the ultimate disqualifier of nutritional advice. That's an interesting statement from a doctor. And I think that there is a, um, it's hard to be the physician and the medical expert and also be nutritionist. It's, they don't tend to go too well together. Um, I think that's a fair comment. So any other wisdom pieces to share with us, Anna, before we wrap up? Uh, I have um, the stinging stinging nettle. Okay. When I, um, it helps me, uh, I have them in my, uh, on my balcony. And when I still have a little bit of pain, I just do like this. And then, um, the inflammation goes uh, away. So you tap the skin with the actual stinging nettle that yes. everyone else tries to get away from and you're deliberately tapping it against your skin. Yes, and it always helps when it's um, an, a nasty pain and I do it with the stinging nettle. The pain is just on the background and after a few days it's gone. So wow. uh, there are people who cannot stand the stinging nettle, but nettle but i can stand it and it's it's very good for me okay i've got to ask another question about this do you hold i saw you hold the stinging nettle under the pot so that you weren't getting your good hand contacting the nettle are we talking about the same kind of stinging nettle does i mean if we were to grab it with our bare hands and would it hurt us or am i is the word stinging nettle a little bit sort of misleading no, it's it's hurting. It's uh, it, there, it will hurt you. Most of yeah. the people don't like to touch it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's just what's what what's helping. It's all it's it's all my herb books that mm-hmm. saying that um, because of your body, but your body is making just little inflammations, and and it's helping the big inflammation that's there. Okay, that's yeah. just a sort of simple uh, simple saying it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Maybe because the inflammation is triggered at the surface skin level, which is a completely different 
inflammation that's being generated internally in the synovium and that this different set of inflammatory uh, interactions somehow creates a overall compensatory reduction in inflammation in the joint as well. And I'm only just thinking out loud, but that's interesting. That's interesting. So it's just uh, for those people who want to try this at home, um, are we talking about just a general local gardening shop stinging nettle, right? We're not talking about some exotic one that we can't locate. No, mm-hmm. just I think it's it's growing everywhere in every country. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you um, you must not do it every day; it's just twice a week or three times mm-hmm. a week, because otherwise it's it's too much for the body. Okay, but, and how do you and do you, uh, how long do you do it for on the inflamed joint? How long do you apply the the nettle to the skin? Oh, just a few moments. Until oh. I feel mm-hmm. it, and then it's uh-huh. enough. Okay, yeah. okay. You don't want to. You you don't want to be doing like a minute. No, no, no. Mm. Okay. Just uh, now I feel it. It it turns a little bit red, and then it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Not everyone can stand it, but well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Love that. You know, in all the years I've been doing this, I've never heard that one. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> what, yeah. What other magic tricks have you got for us, Anna? <laughs> I have uh, Ayurvedic uh, oil, uh, Maha Narayan Taila, mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, put it on my uh, body twice a week. And that's it's, it's, uh, softening. It's uh, for the, how do you call it? Circulation. Uh, circulation. Um, mm-hmm. It's very good oil for, uh, for this kind of things. Have you written that down, how to spell that? I'll I'll r- write it down. Yeah, Ma- and then I'll read it. Then I'll read it. Ah, na ra yom taila. Taila means oil. Alrighty, hold it up a little bit more. Maha Narayan Taila. M a h a space n a r a y a n space t a i l a. Okay, thank you. All right, yeah. great. So we've we've added the stinging nettles and that Ayurvedic oil to the yes. uh, to our checklist. Is there anything else? Uh, I also use uh, CBD oil. Mm-hmm. One drop yeah. in the morning, one drop in the evening. A raw oil. Under and the tongue. I think it's very good for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's also personal, but for me, it, it works very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was it. I also um, go to the acupuncturists once a month. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. Just as a... Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is great. And how's the knee now? Are you are you feeling good under the knee? Yeah, it's almost um, uh, healed. I yep. can uh, I can sit up. Uh, um, I can bend it completely. Yes. So you can, can sit or you can sit down with your yes. bottom on your heels. Yes. yes. That is brilliant. That is one yeah. of the most encouraging and therapeutic positions. If you can continue to do that on a regular basis, it, it really is really cleansing for the knee. So continue to do that. Yeah. 
It feels, feels great to do it after three years, four years not doing it. And then, uh, well, a few months ago, I thought, oh, I can do it. I can just sit on my feet. And oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Do you have a photograph of yourself when you were in a lot of struggle? And then we could get a photograph of you sitting on your heels. I'd love to be able to do that comparison. I can make a photograph on sitting on my heels, but I didn't take pictures when I was so miserable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we uh, we want to avoid those times and we don't want any recollection, mm-hmm. yet, do we? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, let's get a picture. Get someone to take a nice photo of you sitting on your heels and we'll use that for the image for the podcast. Anna, this has been just lovely having a chat with you. It's been really, really enjoyable and uh, thanks for your honesty and thanks for a bit of a laugh here as well and and congratulations on everything that you've done with your health and keep it up. You know, my my message is always after at the end of these sort of discussions, just not get complacent because, you know, I've, I've personally made, uh, you know, a big mistake a few years ago and it took a lot of work to get under control and I've witnessed it as well people getting complacent and then really having a a big effort again to try and reel back the inflammation again, taking a long time to do so. So make sure you don't go messing around and cheating and getting complacent. Keep doing what you're doing. It's fantastic. And, uh, And congratulations. Thank you. And thank you very much for the program and for this uh, podcast. You're welcome. I appreciate you and uh, and all that you're doing. So let's leave it there. Have a wonderful rest of your day and let's talk again soon. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.